fall is here, or it's coming, leaping out at us. Um, and so school is going to be starting up, and other things get started. And I, this is also a time when people do a lot of thinking and talking about teams. A lot of talk about teams. You know, there's high school teams, there's college teams, pro teams, football teams, soccer teams, all kinds of teams. And I, I think most of us have a pretty good idea of what a team is and what a team is for. You know, the, the, goal, the goal of a team is to what? Win. To win. To work together to win. That's right. Thanks for speaking up there. That's exactly right. And to do it together. All right, so this morning I want you to think about teams, but I want you to think about a different kind of team. And I want you to think about a different kind of winning. A kind of winning that's <laughs> way more important than winning at football or soccer or any other athletic contest. The team that I have in mind is a team called the church, and the winning I have in mind is succeeding at the purpose that God has given us, his purpose, his goal, his priority. Last week, we began this new series on uh, the purpose of church, and what we are doing is we are looking at what, God's, what God says in his word that churches are for, what, what churches are supposed to be doing, what churches are to be accomplishing, uh, his agenda for the church, because ultimately it's his agenda that counts. It's his agenda that really matters. Um, you know, we could, we could come up with all kinds of different agendas that we might think would be fun or neat or whatever, but if it doesn't line up with what God's agenda for us is, then we're missing it, because the church is God's. I mean, it's his idea. He invented it. He set it up. He's making it grow. And so we want to see in his word what his priorities are for his churches. And he has told us, and he fully expects us to be pursuing those priorities together and to uh, have strategies and plans. We talked about this a lot last time, that, that this is something we can't just, you know, expect to randomly happen. We have to actually think about it. We have to plan. We have to have priorities, plans for succeeding in those priorities. And you can see this all through the New Testament, um, but we're focusing on one passage in particular. It's in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have a Bible with you and you want to open it up to Hebrews 10, if you don't have a Bible with you and you want to use one, grab one from the rack in front there. The verses will also be on the screen behind me, I think. And there's a note sheet in your folder if you want to haul that out and take some notes. I would encourage you to do that. And just before I read this passage, why don't we take a minute and let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we just we want to bow right now. I want to bow and just acknowledge that you are God. You are our creator. And in Jesus, you are our savior. And you are our Lord and master. 
And this is your word that you have given us for our good and for your glory. And so I I pray you'd help us hear it that way. Uh, Give us hearts that are very uh, eager to know what your will for us is. Give us uh, minds that can grasp and understand your truth and hearts that will embrace it and uh, live it out. Lord, we pray you'd help us with this. Uh, Now, we pray you would speak to our hearts by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, talking to fellow believers in Jesus, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Let me just pause there and explain what he's doing. Um, He's using the language of the temple and the sacrifices of the Old Testament to talk about the amazing thing God has done to bring all of that to fulfillment in the person of Jesus, that now we have access into the very presence of God without a temple, without high priests, without all of this sacrificial stuff, because Jesus has come and died and risen again. Because of him, we can enter into the very presence of God and not be destroyed because of our sin. It's an awesome thing. So, since we have confidence to enter in by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, through his flesh, verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, more temple language there, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day of Christ's return, the day of judgment. All right, so last time we saw that the church's first priority is worship. Okay, it says, let us draw near, and it means let us draw near to God together in worship. Okay, that's priority one. Priority number two, second priority, that's what I want to talk about today. This is the priority I would call partnership, partnership. And if you're wondering which verse that shows up in, you actually can see it through the whole passage here because there's this word that occurs again and again throughout these verses, and I think it may just be the biggest two-letter word there is. It's the word us, us. You and me. Church is meant to be us. It's, it's not a place. You know, we have to be careful. Sometimes we, we talk about church, we, we say things that really, and I do it, and everybody does it, but we, we need to think about the impact that our words have. You know, we'll talk about, well, hey, what church do you go to? Or where do you go to church? And we talk about going to church. Church isn't a place where you go. Church isn't a program. It's not an event. Church is people. It's a group of people. Church is us. 
It's people who have put their trust in Christ and by His Spirit been united together to follow Jesus together. Or to put it another way, church is a team. It's a team. Verse 22, let us draw near. So we need to worship God together. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What's that? The confession of our hope, that's talking about the message we, we proclaim, that we confess, that is the gospel, the good news about Jesus, who he is, and what he's come and done for us. So we need to know that message. We need to proclaim that message. We need to help each other hold on to that message. We need to do it together. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So he's given us this mission of doing love and good works uh, to be about that and uh, how we need to consider, we need to think, we need to plan how we can impact our community, impact our world with love and good works in the name of Jesus proclaiming his gospel and we need to do that together together and then verse 25 let us not neglect to meet together but let us encourage one another so meeting together encouraging one another again that's something we do together right you see it you see it nod your head if you see it okay all right good so all these things that god wants us to do he wants us to do together that's what I mean by partnership, or that's what I mean by being a team. Now, I'll tell you, there's more than partnership here, and we're going to talk about uh, something else the next time we get together that's, that's implied by the word us here, and that's friendship. Not merely partnership, but also friendship. And if you're wondering what the difference is, I'd put it this way. Partnership is helping each other do the things God's called us to do. Friendship is helping each other become the people God's called us to become. So one focuses more on the things, the, 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 the activities or the, the mission of doing these things. That's partnership. Friendship, that's getting to know each other at a deeper level so we can talk to each other and find out about each other and help each other at a more, uh, more intimate level. That's friendship. We'll talk about that next time. But today, focusing on what God wants us to do together as a team. So, let me get right to the point. If you are a believer in Jesus, okay, and you may be here today and you're not, and I'm so glad you're here, okay, and maybe you're just checking it out, maybe you're trying to understand what this gospel is, who is this person called Jesus, and, and why do we gather together in his name? That's so good. I'm glad you're here. But if you have come to that place of putting your trust in Christ, receiving him into your life, becoming part of his people, committing yourself to follow him as Lord. If you are a believer in Jesus, then God wants you to partner with your church in accomplishing his priorities. God wants you to partner with your church to accomplish his priorities. When it comes to accomplishing the things God wants us to accomplish, we need to develop a team mindset, okay? 
uh, a partnership mindset instead of an individual mindset. So we talk sometimes about, yeah, that guy's really a team player. Well, that's the kind of mindset we need to develop together as a church, that we are team players, we're in it together. As opposed to, I'm an individual, I go here, I do this, and it's all about just me as an individual. So what I'm talking about is fairly countercultural. I, You know, it's interesting, the last 10 years there's been a lot more talk about community and online community and, and all this stuff. And I don't know how much of it is actually really impacting us at the level of where that's actually happening, and it's not just something we talk about. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a culture that was very individualistic, very individualistic. In fact, the heroes of my childhood were all rugged, tough individuals, guys like Superman and Batman, and John Wayne, or Chuck Norris, or, you know, Clint Eastwood or something. These guys didn't need or don't need anybody's help to succeed. They are just, above all things, self-sufficient. They can do it all by themselves. You know what the problem with that is? It's not real. I don't know if you know this, I hope I don't burst any bubbles, but <clears throat> superheroes don't exist. Yeah. Fiction. Fiction. You know, uh, the, the characters, the John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, you know, Chuck Norris, those were made up by Hollywood scriptwriters. They're not real. This idea of succeeding all by yourself is a myth. Nobody does it. Nobody can do it. Okay, listen carefully. I'm not saying if you're a Christian, you shouldn't try to do it all by yourself because it's wrong. I think it is. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, You can't do it because it's impossible. You can't do it on your own. And you don't have to be a genius to see this. You just have to read your Bible. Okay, because when you read your Bible on how to live life the way God wants us to live life, you keep running into a certain person, a very important person named one another. Look at this, Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo, say it with me, one another in showing honor. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with Romans 15.7, therefore welcome as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing in all wisdom, James 5.16, therefore confess your sins too and pray for that you may be healed. And of course here in Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir up one another and encourage one another. Okay, see I'm not making this stuff up. So important question, just who is this guy? 
Who is this one another person? Because look at it. You can't. You can't obey these commands if you don't know who that person is. You can't obey these commands without him or her. So who is it? All right, I'm going to ask you to do something. You might think this is kind of silly, but that's okay. I'm going to do it too. If you'll open up your worship folder, you're going to find some name tags that look like this. And I just want you to peel one of those off. Share them if the person next to you doesn't have one and you have more than one. Share it. I want you to put it on. Slap it on. I know, just humor me. It's okay. You can take it off in a few minutes. Just put it on. Everybody. All right, you got it? <laughs> That's funny. You guys are talking. I didn't say talk. I just said put this, <laughs> put this sticker on. <laughs> okay. All right, you got it? You're muttering under your breath. What kind of crazy? What is that? All right, stop. Everybody stop. Now look around. Look around. All right. Do you see it? You can see who goes by the rules and who doesn't. You know. <laughs> Who's cooperative and who maybe isn't so much. All right, you see it? Look at it. The people you see are one another. The people you see are one another. They are your team. Christianity is a team sport. We can't win unless we win together. Let me say that again. Christianity is a team sport. We can't win unless we win together as a team. We need a team, and the church is that team. And I'm not talking about just showing up for worship. That's good. But I'm talking about real partnership with your church family, living with a certain mindset that says, my church is my team, I'm committed to their success, and they are committed to mine. We are in this together. Now, I know that not everybody believes this. And you might be there feeling very skeptical. And I know not everybody believes this because over the years I've had people tell me they don't believe this. Um, you know, and they'll say things like, well, look, I don't have to belong to a church to be right with God because it's trusting in Jesus that makes us right with God, not belonging to a church. Okay. And they'll say, churches have lots of problems. Yep. And, they'll say, church leaders, they're far from perfect. Yep, true again. But there's a problem. There's a big problem for anybody who thinks that belonging to a church is a bad idea. And here it is. It's God's idea. It's God's idea. Okay? You, I challenge you, search through the New Testament and find me a believer in Jesus Christ who does not belong to a church. That person doesn't exist. 
Okay, because when God puts us into the church, all of those who belong to him, he does that by putting us into churches. It's true churches have problems. It's true churches have imperfect leaders. Uh, it's true that being connected to a local church doesn't make you right with God. That's all true. But it's God's idea. So we kind of have a choice here. We have two alternatives. If we think church is lame, we can either get connected and help it improve, help it be less lame, or we can wait and tell Jesus someday why we thought his idea was lame. Just a piece of advice. I wouldn't recommend telling a bridegroom that his bride is lame. It's his idea. God wants you to partner with your church to accomplish his parties. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about this church, although for most of you that would probably be the case. But if you're here today and you're visiting from out of town, or you're in the process of still looking for a church to connect to, that's great. That's fine. But once you make that choice, once you find the church that's going to be your church, God wants you to partner with them to accomplish his priorities. Okay, how do you do that? This is where we want to do some thinking about strategy. Right? We talked last time about you know, what makes a good strategy. Let's think about strategy here to partner with your church. Okay, Two things, two, two broad ideas I want to throw at you. Number one, do something to help your church succeed. Do something. Find something that you can do to help your church fulfill its mission, its God-given mission. Because there's always something you can do to help your church fulfill its mission. And so I'm going to just challenge you to think about it, to pray about it, to talk to others about it, ask around, consider your gifting, your ability, your interests. You know, God's word is very clear that he has given every believer in Jesus some kind of gift or talent or ability to help them help the church fulfill its mission. Okay? And I know some of you think, oh, I don't have any gifts, I don't have any abilities. It's just not true. It's not true. Look at 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. There's that guy again. As good stewards of God's various grace. Do you see that? God's given us gift, grace, gift. It's, it's undeserved. He gives us gifts, and then we're to use those gifts to be good stewards of those gifts, of His grace, and it's varied grace, manifold, many-faceted, lots of different ways, lots of different gifts. So whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you see what a God thing this is? Do you see that? Using your gifts to serve one another is about speaking God's truth. It's about serving in the strength God supplies. It's about exercising the gifts God gives. See, you might think that getting involved in a church and helping the church fulfill its mission and helping meet uh, one another's needs, you might think that's just all about people. It's just all about people, interacting with people, connecting with people, uh, meeting the needs of people. But I want you to see here that underneath all of that, 
is something much deeper, much bigger, much more profound. The bigger issue here is God. It's God that wants us to do this. It's God that calls us to do this. It's God that tells us to partner with one another, uh, to partner with our church, to meet people's needs. See, it would be easy to think that, well, if someone's just not that serious about partnering with the church, the problem is they're just not that they're just not taking people and their needs that seriously. I'm going to say it even more strongly. If we're not concerned about getting connected to a church and accomplishing God's purpose together, the real problem is we're not that serious about God. Because it's God's idea. It's God's calling. It's God's intention. So, for the glory of God, find something to help your church succeed. Even if they drive you crazy. Do it for the glory of God. Now, in thinking about that and trying to figure out, well, what, what's something you could do? do? Do not limit yourself to what happens within the walls of this place on Sunday mornings. Okay? We've got to think beyond that. Because the church is people. And growing the church means making disciples of other people and helping them become part of the church. There's lots of ways you can serve, you can minister, you can help people and connect with people beyond the walls of this building. In fact, most of it should probably be beyond the walls of this building. So, for one thing, you can pray for people. You don't have to be here to pray. Uh, that's one of the great things about praying. You can do it just about anywhere. Look at Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. It's not talking about New Orleans team. This is talking about the people of God, the people in God's family. It's talking about praying for your church, your, your uh, leaders, your fellow believers, your friends, for the people that drive you crazy. Pray. Pray. Other things you can do. You can call people. You can call people, especially if you haven't seen them in a while and you're wondering if they're okay. Call them. Send them a text. Send them an email. Actually, use paper and pen. Write, write it down and mail it to them. Uh, you can visit people, especially people who aren't confined at home for some reason. They can't, they can't get out. They can't gather the way they want to. Uh, reach out to your neighbors. If you tend to be more of a doer than a talker, well, pull weeds. Pick up trash. Find who the widows are. Find out who our widows are and ask a widow if she needs help with anything, like getting the oil in her car changed or whatever. But above all, be creative. You know, it's one of the things I, you know, I worry about giving lists because that's, those are things I thought of. You can probably think of even a better list, things for you that you could do. But whatever you do, do not leave ministry to the trained professionals. Okay, as if you can't do ministry unless you went to Bible college or seminary. That is so not true. Okay, we need a partnership mindset. We don't need a professional mindset. What's a professional mindset? That's like, well, we got these professionals, we hired them, we paid them, they do the ministry, and we just pay them. No, we want a partnership mindset. We're all in this together. And you need to believe you need to believe that you are better able to do some things to help this church succeed than a, than a ministry professional like me. And I'm serious when I say that. 
absolutely serious. There are things you can do so much better than a ministry professional. Look at Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, okay, let's just call them ministry leaders, the professionals, to do what? To equip the saints. Who's that? And you all said, we are. Thank you. (laughs) To equip the saints, that is God's people, for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ, that is the church. Okay, who's doing the work of ministry here? The saints. Those other guys help equip you to do that. Now, we all do ministry, but the whole point is the the leaders are there to help you get it done. And it would be just as silly for a church to just let their pastors and ministry leaders do all the ministry. That would be just as nuts as a football team sitting in the stands watching their coaches play the game for them. Now, over the years, I've had people ask me to do things like share the gospel with their friends or go visit their friend or their loved one in the hospital or, you know, whatever. And oftentimes, the reason they're thinking like that is they're thinking that they can't do that as well as I can because I've got this training and so on. I got news for you. You can do it. And you can probably do it better than me. And you know why? Because you have something that I don't have. You have a relationship with that person. See, I'm the hired holy man. (laughs) And I often scare people. Really. And they're intimidated. And they don't necessarily want to talk to me. And you know what? I've I've experienced this so many times. They will tell me anything that they think I want to hear, so I'll just go away. <laughs> they don't want me, oftentimes. Now, I'm, you know, I'm glad to do that, you know, in certain situations. But you just got to understand, most of the time, your friend, your loved one, they don't want me. They want someone they can relate to. You know who that is? It's you. God put you in their life. God has equipped you and enabled you to share his love with them. So, that's one very broad idea for partnering with your church. Just do what you can to help your church succeed. Here's the other idea. Find someone to do it with. Find someone to do it with. Just like there's always something you can do, there's usually someone you can do it with. Now, it takes more effort But it's important and it's worth it. Try hard not to do ministry all alone. Because it's not biblical. You know, the apostles didn't do ministry alone. Paul, the apostle, didn't do ministry alone. You know what? Jesus himself didn't do ministry alone. You know, you had these guys. And it's usually Peter, James, and John, or the rest of the 12. Um, Yes, he would go off by himself and pray which I think shows us that we all need that time alone with God. But then when it came to actually serving people, ministering to people, he almost always did it with others. Okay, the only ministry really he did alone was dying on the cross. 
And that's because he alone could do that. And he did it so we would never have to experience that. So find a team, even if that team is just you and one other person, do it together. Pray together, plan together, serve together. It just gets me so excited when I see people teaming together to do ministry together. It's so cool. That's the way it ought to be. So, you know, that's why we have groups. That's why we have these groups that meet second hour, these Bible Explorer groups. Some of you call them Sunday school classes, and you're just going to do that forever. But you need to understand, (laughs) there's a reason why we intentionally call them groups instead of classes. And the reason is this. We don't want people to think of them as simply a place to come and absorb information. Okay? Um, We want their groups to become a team of people who do ministry together. So we want them to pray together. We want them to care for one another. I love it when I see that. Some of your groups are just doing such a great job of that. Somebody in the group's got a need, and the group rallies around and meets the need. And uh, helping each other, um, working together to welcome new people. You know how, how pleasant that is when someone new comes and a you know, a group just invites them in and, and welcomes them and makes them feel at home. Um, and then they, they think together and plan together. How, can we, how could we make a difference? How could we um, just carry out this mission God's given us? The goal is partnership. It's not just attendance. Partnership, not attendance. So if, if you're not on a team, you're not part of those groups, I'd encourage you to check it out. Get involved. Or get involved with our youth ministry or get involved with our children's ministry, or get involved with, you know, invent a ministry. You know, let, find something you can do with some others. God did not intend church to be a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. And one of the reasons we know this, one of the most important illustrations of the church in the Bible is the picture of the church as a body. The body of Christ. Now I want you to think about your body. You know, hold out your hands there. Look at your fingers. You know, look at your arms, your legs. You can't look at your face right now, but you can in the mirror. Think about all the different parts, okay? How would you like all the parts of your body to function as individuals? Not so good. They're a team. And you're able to do the things that God wants you to do because your body works as a team. When bodies don't work as a team, that's what we call being sick or having a disease. So the church is a body. Each one of us is a part, and we are all to work together under the head, Jesus Christ, to accomplish his purpose. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body, that is from Jesus, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. See that? How does the church grow? Not only in numbers, but in maturity, becoming the people God wants us to be. How does that happen? When each part is working properly. God wants us to partner together to accomplish His priorities. Now, last time, I challenged you at the end of our time together with the question, what's your plan? What's your plan for worship? And I didn't put it on the sheet, but you could just write it there. What's your plan? What's your plan for partnering? What's your plan for partnership? Okay. What thing, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but what thing could God be asking you to do 
to partner with his church to accomplish his priorities. I just challenge you to think about that, pray about that, and then do something about it. Okay, let's pray together right now. Father, thank you so much that you do not save us in isolation, and you have great things for us to do. Uh, Lord, help us have the grace and the wisdom and the humility and the enthusiasm to do it together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.